Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Christ alone, Christ alone is the mechanism for your salvation. Not Christ plus going to church. Not Christ plus reading your Bible. Not Christ plus liking Brent. Not Christ plus hanging the Ten Commandments on your living room wall. Not Christ plus anything. It is Christ alone when he, was res- when he died and was resurrected, it was finished, it's paid, paid, done, done. You are saved by the work of Christ alone. You say, Brent, you're being incredibly simplistic and acting like we're, we're children because we're missing this. We're missing it desperately. It's the analogy that I use all the time of taking the compass and we're one degree off. It's not that big of a deal, but you're one degree off. So down a, down a mile, you're off a mile. We can't be off on this. There's a lot of things that I will debate and I will even concede we can be different on. But on this, we can't. We can't be different on Christ alone. Sorry, I'm also wound up this morning. You are saved by the work of Christ alone. You are not saved by your own efforts to be a good person or your efforts to do good things. You okay? I like the silence. Sometimes that means you're thinking. Sometimes it means you're thinking about lunch. It's not by your efforts. Whether your efforts are good or bad, because we do this, right? We come to salvation in Christ Jesus, and we're like, yes, I went to church today. I'm doing so good. I haven't gotten mad at my wife today. I'm doing good. I haven't yelled at the kids yet today, so I'm doing good. And then you go to lunch, and you find that Texas Roadhouse can't seat your party of 90, and you just want to grab that scrawny little person by the neck and shake them. And then you leave going, oh, man, have I ever messed up my life. Sweetheart, you are messed up. All have sinned. You're a heathen. You're good for nothing. Nothing. Congratulations. So when we come to Christ, you deserve nothing. God gives you this greatness, not because you did anything, because you didn't. Stick to your notes, Brandon. We're going to be here too long. It will be way too long at Texas Roadhouse later. Listen carefully. The penalty for your sins was death. We've studied that. The penalty for your sin was death. Jesus died in your place. So when Jesus died in your place, he paid it all. 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 So just because I'm on Texas Roadhouse. I don't know why that's on my mind this morning. If you go to lunch at Texas Roadhouse and I see you there and I pay your bill, when you're done, do you go pay your bill? No, because if I paid all your bill, you owe nothing. If I walk by your table and say, hey, I paid your bill and I got the tip, do you pay anything? No, it is paid in full. It's all. You don't have to pay more. You don't, you don't chip in a little on your salvation. 
I'm pausing because, boy, is this in our hearts. Yeah, I'm saved by God's grace. I'm saved by him sending his son in a manger to live a sinless life, to die on a cross, to be raised from the dead, to complete my salvation. It's Christ alone. But I just want to chip in a little and be good, you know, just to make sure. That is a statement of faith. I don't trust that God's really got me. So I gotta make my contribution to make sure that God's really gonna save me because I'm not trusting that Jesus did pay it all. I think that he paid most of it, but I'm gonna make my contribution to, to seal the deal. You don't chip in, you don't leave a tip. There, listen carefully, there was no good in you. Jesus paid your debt. You are forgiven by the work of Christ Jesus alone. You are not saved by paying Jesus back. Are you with me? Well, Jesus paid my debt, so now I owe him. No, no, no. Here again, there's no good in you. So if I buy your lunch at Texas Roadhouse and you have no money, you can't pay me back. In the economy of God, Christ's righteousness pays for your sin. You have no righteousness. You got nothing to pay God back with. Nothing, nothing. You are forgiven by the work of Christ alone. You're not saved by paying Jesus back with your good deeds. We're gonna get into that later on. Your debt was not transferred. It was paid. You owe nothing. This is why I ranted about biblical Christianity. But Brent, don't we have to go to church every Sunday or at least once every six months? Uh, Don't we have to, you know, I don't know. I don't know. We have all these crazy things that we start putting in our brain. Well, I have to do this so that Jesus will like me. No, you got nothing. Nothing. You are negative whenever it comes to morality. You have nothing good to give to God and he paid it all for you. So what can you boast in? What can you boast in? You can boast in Christ alone. Not you, not your obedience, not your good deeds. You simply believe by faith that what the Bible tells us about Jesus and salvation is true We say, Lord, I deserve nothing, but you gave me it all. That's incredible. You have nothing to contribute to the forgiveness of your own sins. Now, here's rant part two. There are versions of non-biblical Christianity. Are you listening carefully? There are versions of non-biblical Christianity that have distorted salvation by including you in the mechanism of salvation. I'm just gonna put this out there. I think that's an abomination. You do not hang along Christ on the cross. You do not hang alongside of Christ on the cross. You know how I said, I said several years ago, there's that bumper sticker that says coexist and it's written in all these pagan symbols with a cross for the T and it makes me want to rear in people (laughs) with my Ram Dodge 1500. If you have to get a new bumper, you'll have to get rid of that stupid sticker. 
because Christ does not exist alongside of all other gods. Sweetheart, your salvation, Christ on the cross, you don't exist beside him. You're not. You're not the co-pilot. You're not the co-pilot. You're sitting in the rear end of this plane. It's a whole nother doctrine there. Whole nother bumper sticker. God is my co-pilot. Well, you should jump. There are, are, we're going we're gonna to be done by noon, I promise, because I have leftovers. You will not see me at Texas Roadhouse today. There are versions of non-biblical Christianity that have distorted salvation by including you in the mechanism of salvation. They have imagined, Romans 1, a God different than the one described in the Bible. And then they have imagined how that God's salvation is contingent upon their being good enough or doing enough good things. See, if we can recreate God, then we can recreate our salvation. And we can make our salvation about, ah, ah. That was Ariel, I think. I don't know. (laughs) It was scary. It's about me. You can make my salvation. If I can can dethrone God from being God so that I don't have to submit to his whole thing if Jesus died for me because I want to contribute to my salvation. If I can dethrone God and create my own God who is equal, actually he's not equal because I can do my salvation on my own. They have imagined a God that They can create a salvation that is contingent upon works. You accomplishing good works toward your salvation uh, is kind of like, listen carefully, you accomplishing good works toward your salvation is kind of like you standing in your septic tank promising, I'm going to make a really delicious dinner for you. San Juan County, I think a lot of us have septic tanks. Ever cleaned out your septic tank? I know we're not supposed to do poop jokes during a sermon. That was, you know, Bible school. Stay away from the bathroom. But the Bible doesn't, so I just go there, right? We stand in our septic tank saying, oh God, you're gonna love this. No, no, no. Paul just, he explained in several verses, quoting the Old Testament, the prophets and the kings. He said, no one is good. You smell like a septic tank. There is no one who does good. There is no one who seeks after God. There's no, that's what Paul said. He said, you're not, not not only are you no good, you're not even seeking after God. So the picture really is, we stand in our septic tank saying, I'm good, I don't need God. I smell fine. You okay? I like the way you're looking at me. You've been told since you were born that you are good, right? We hold those little babies and we see them as so innocent. So our... Our humanistic worldview demands that we view ourselves as basically good. And that's not a problem of us thinking that we are good. We like to think about ourselves as being good. We like to think about our kids as being good. Other people's kids, not so much. But whenever it comes to us, we think we are good. 
And of course, then now we have this whole woke worldview that demands good from others while they are doing bad things, yet calling their actions and themselves good. Did you follow all that? I mean, they really are standing in the septic tank saying, you know, they're splashing, saying, we have to make the world a better place like I am. You have to be like me. You have to respect my stink. <laughs> Sweetheart. Because all of, us, all of us who do not define ourselves as woke, we like to make fun of those people who are woke because they're morons, right? Now listen to me, listen to me, church, listen to me. Humanity has been woke since Genesis 3. Since Genesis 3, we've been holding a fig leaf over ourselves saying, well, I didn't do it. And if I did do it, I meant it for good. I meant it, I meant it in a really good way. Right? We're all in the same septic tank. Our typical worldview minimizes what God defines as sin. Our typical worldview minimizes what God defines as sin. Diane and I were watching this old TV series from like, I don't know, way back in the 80s and the 90s. And we were laughing, not because it was funny, funny, but just because it's just so weird to see how morals have changed on TV from the 80s and the 90s to today. Things that they were making fun of then is things that the church would make fun of. I know we shouldn't, but we did and we do. You know, they were, the 80s and 90s, there was some sense of biblical morality. And then we fast forward to now and we're like, oh, you couldn't even make, not only would you make that, not make that joke in church, you wouldn't make that joke on TV because that is taboo. Our typical worldview minimizes what God defines as sin. The result is, watch this, listen carefully. When we lower what sin is, when we minimize what sin is, then we do things like, well, your sin is not that bad. In fact, your sin is acceptable because you meant it for good. In fact, you're a good person. I know you didn't really mean it in a bad way whenever you rear-ended that car because you just got angry about their bumper sticker. You meant it in a good way. And you meant it in a redemptive way, Pastor Brent. <laughs> right? That's what we do. Yeah, I yelled at my kids because I'm, they got to be redeemed. So the more I scream at them, the more chance of redemption they have. I mean it in a good way. You see, that is the direct opposite, that we are good. That is the direct opposite of what Romans 3 and the majority of the Old Testament says about us. I mean, you can serve God if you want, but if you don't, you're still a pretty good person. You're okay. You'll, I mean, God, God's a God of love and grace, right? So he's gonna look past all of your, your sinful blemishes. Don't worry about it. If you don't serve God, don't worry about it. He's a, he's a loving God. He's a God of love. So it's your sin, not offensive. We normalize sin now. Unbelievers, as we normalize sin, unbelievers do not understand their need for redemption. 
See, we like to talk about evangelism, but if we don't preach that people are all in the septic tank, then trying to sell them soap makes no sense. Are you with me? So the church says, oh, no, no, no. God is a God of love and peace and kindness and patience. He's not really gonna send your little sweet bundle of joy to hell. Your sin really is not that bad. Your sin doesn't stink. You're okay, but I wanna give you Jesus. And they say, what does it cost me? And we say, well, your entire life. And they're like, no, thank you. That's a bad deal. Church attenders, so you have unbelievers who have no need for salvation because they're not sinners and their sin has no consequences. But then for church attenders, hang on to your britches, are tempted to wear their Christianity as a badge of self-righteousness. Probably all of us have gone to that church where I park where I park because I was good this week. I attend here. I tithe here. I gave to the building fund. Oh, I am so great, right? And then I look down on those who haven't. Whenever I come in, I expect my coffee to be served to me because I have arrived because I am a good person. And I'm telling you, both worldviews are wrong. They're wrong. Neither have achieved a right relationship with God. Neither. Well, but Brent, I come regularly. Doesn't count for anything. Nothing. A biblical worldview is that we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. That, because of your sin, you have nothing to boast about. You have nothing to boast about. Our only hope is to trust in Christ Jesus. Our only hope, all I have, is Christ Jesus. Well, but Bryn, I, I got a good education Right, because that makes you closer to God. And I got a good job, because that definitely makes you closer to God. I make good money. Again, what? I set aside for retirement. I've done all the things that I've, I'm supposed, that society says I'm supposed to do. So I'm trusting that all that of my preparation, my planning and my savings and my looking forward and, and I have this whole plan, I'm trusting that's gonna take care of me. Our only hope is in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm, am I saying be an idiot and not do any financial planning? No, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. But if your confidence is in the plans that you made, you're in, tr you're in trouble, sweetheart. That cracker was really dry earlier. I just got to say that. Our confidence, your confidence is not in your education, your job, or your retirement plan. Our confidence is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the only hope that we have. I uh, have several pages left. <laughs> I, I went to Sierra Leone with a guy named Pastor Brad Ills, great guy. He was teaching First uh, and Second Timothy and Titus, I believe. And I was teaching uh, critical thinking skills. And so we got to dialogue and, and talk. And um, I remember one afternoon just passionately telling him, 
the foundation of critical thinking skills is still Jesus. It's just Jesus. I told Brad, I'm like, listen, man, all I've got is Jesus to give to these people. Now, is there critical thinking and we can learn some things? Yes, but we learn it from having the mind of Christ. That is the foundation. Without Christ, you're not going to be a critical thinker. You're going to be a moron. (laughs) Seriously. So even whenever we do the mundane things, it's still with our faith and our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to me, church. I got to keep going. Faith necessarily... Faith necessarily excludes boasting because the premise of faith in Jesus is, listen carefully, there is nothing in me that is trustworthy. There is nothing in me that is boastworthy. Sorry, I felt like that hit sandpaper for a second. Just like, wait, what, Brent? I've done some great things. Just ask me, I'll tell you. No, no. Faith in the Lord Jesus is coming to a point where you realize you have nothing, you've done nothing, you're not going to do anything. So we throw ourselves at Christ and say, I've got nothing, Lord. If you don't redeem me and do something with me, there's no hope. All I have is the Lord Jesus Christ. I have nothing to boast in. I only have Christ Jesus to put my faith in. I have nothing. I have nothing if I don't have Jesus. That could be a good song. All right, verse 29. Yeah, we're doing good. Verse 29. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Well, of course he is. And then this is it. This is it. Verse 30. There is only, how many? One God. There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Church, get your brain around this. There is only one, capital G, God, okay? He is God over all the people on this little planet. So Jew or Gentile, which would have been the argument then, now it's American or non-American, red, yellow, black, and white, brown, purple, gray, pink, I don't know, polka dotted, yeah. And all those other things, God is God over them all. So we go back to Romans chapter one, and it's like you can create a God, whatever you want, but there's only one capital G God. Only one. So you can create gods out of whatever you want. If you want to pray to your shoes, hey, go for it, buddy. It's fitting. (laughs) There is only one God who defines sin. Only one God has defined sin. We should look to see what he's saying is sin. And only one God who makes people right with himself which that's actually kind of entry-level Christianity whenever or world religion, whenever we look at all of the other religions, we have these other gods who say, worship me, worship me, worship me, and I might give you something. And God says, I will give you all that I have so that you'll worship me. God made the first move. God made the first move, dude. God has made us right with himself through Christ alone with none of your help. And that's it. That's it. And I hope, 
I hope that that finds a place in your spirit to be planted and grow because all of the rest of our, our living by faith comes out of that, that our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, holy and completely, not in you. You know what that means? That means that you're set free to just trust him. You're set free to serve him the very best you can. Well, what about whenever I fail? It makes no difference whether you fail or succeed. Christ paid it all. What you're doing doesn't mean anything. Doesn't, doesn't contribute to your salvation one little bitty bit. <laughs> I like that. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm still thinking about this. Yeah. I think of Romans, um, Matthew chapter six, and I'm paraphrasing. If, if you contributing your salvation is kind of like you contributing to your hair growth. Can you grow more hair? I mean, as we get older, guys, it, it just comes out different places. <laughs> Stops growing up here, starts growing out here. Yeah, we can't make ourselves grow more hair. What makes us think that we can work out our own salvation? No, you can't. No, no, working our salvation is coming to the cross of Christ, realizing that I have nothing. I only have Jesus. I only have Jesus. I already preached that, Brent, keep going. Now, now we, we go through that, and I, I, I'm assuming that some of the tension that you're having right now is like, well, but Brent, what about the Ten Commandments? What about us being good people? What about, what about? And, and I know that Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he knew that you was going to ask those questions. So Romans chapter 3, verse 31 says, well then, if we emphasize faith and faith in Christ alone, does this mean that we can forget about the law? That's a good question. Do we just take our Bibles and open up to that one blank page, tear out the old, the, all of it to the left and just toss it in the trash can and concentrate only on, on the New Testament part? Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? And then Paul writes, of course not! He's yelling there. That's the exclamation point. In fact... Only when we have faith, listen, only when we have faith, when we say, Brent, you got nothing, but you do have Jesus. You have Jesus, and in Jesus you have everything. Only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. So what does he mean whenever he says, only when we have faith, we truly fulfill the law? Because I just preached that no one has ever fulfilled the law. No one's ever kept the law. And now he says, by faith, we're going to fulfill, we're going to truly fulfill the law. This all of a sudden got very complicated. And it seems like a question that we can answer in Romans chapter four on another day. It's called a cliffhanger. You're going to have to come back. I am hoping that this morning you have given thought to what your faith is actually in. What your faith is actually in. Saving faith is not our ability to keep the law or be good. Saving faith is not about being born into a good family or about how often you go to church. Saving faith has nothing to do with being an American. I'm a registered voter. I'm saved. What are you saying? You're an idiot. Sorry, I didn't mean that. I did. I'm standing in my septic tank, okay? <laughs> Saving faith is very simple. I have nothing. And I need Jesus for everything. 
And I know because God has declared it and he's proven it that I can trust in his word and I can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I want everyone to stand. If you're on the prayer team, if you would come to the front. I know that I have preached kind of a challenging theological message this morning. And if your heart is challenged and you want someone to pray with you, we will have somebody here to pray with you. But I want, let's bow our heads together and, and pray. Father, one of the most difficult things that we do is get out of your way. So this morning, Father, my prayer is that for every one of us, that we would see ourselves less, that we would die more to ourselves so that you can be more alive in our hearts and our thoughts, our minds, our spirits. Father, we have nothing. Help us to see that. Help us to see that what we, what we do possess is our own sinful nature and that we are, we are offensive to you by our sinful nature. So we look to the cross of Christ, trusting in you alone, that you have sent your son to die on the cross to be the penalty for our sins, the sacrifice to pay for the penalty for our sins so that we can come boldly into your throne room and humbly call you our father. Our sins have been forgiven. Lord, help us to accept that. Help us to, to internalize it. Help us to live that. Help us to live a life of complete forgiveness and at the same time, complete trust and confidence in you. Father, we only have you. Our faith is in you alone. You have been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. on Main Street in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com. 